Do you have a story to tell? Here at Rider on the Road, it's the journey that matters. Regardless of where you are on your riding journey, Rider on the Road will inspire you to take your dreams and make them happen. So sit back and enjoy the show as Melinda brings you guests who know what it's like to go it alone and who are willing to reach out to the rest of us by sharing their stories. Authors, publishers, entrepreneurs, people at all stages of the riding journey, just like you and me. It's time, dear listeners, to answer the question for yourselves. Do you have a story to tell? And it's welcome to another episode of Writer on the Road. Today I've got uh, Joanne Dannon back with me because we want to have a discussion about indie publishing, the state of indie publishing, and the direction that we think we're going to take with our own work uh, as things change, constantly change, and change some more. Uh, Good morning, Joanne. Good morning. Thanks for having me on. Yeah. Now, Joanne and I are both unwell at the moment, so it's a little bit funny. She's got the sniffles and I've got the cough. So bear with us, everybody. I think this is a very important discussion to have um, because indie publishing is growing. And if you listen to Hugh Howie and you listen to Data Guy, indie, indie publishers are really starting to make their mark. And some of us, not me, unfortunately, but some of us are really starting to make some serious money. Uh, so, Joanne, as a start... Where are you up to and what have you been up to since we last had a chat? Oh, I can't remember when we last spoke because we speak all the time. Um, I'm just um, very excited at the moment. I'm about to launch my eighth book. Uh, That's launching on the 27th of April. I'm really excited. I just love this book so much. As far as um, understanding the publishing side of things, I think I've just come along in leaps and bounds, which um, I think we're going to be chatting about. And, you know, the writing of the book is the best bit. It's just the everything else. And there's really, there is help out on the internet. There's also no help. So trying to work it out, putting it all together and working it out on what works for you is really complicated. I've been doing this now for 18 months and I'm still learning. Like just when I think that, okay, I think I've got the hang of it, something else comes along from left field and I think, oh, geez, there's still so much to learn in this. And I think that it's really important to share information, um, the indie, um, indie writers to share because there's just so much out there. And, you know, you can just get a little snippet of something and that can really help you uh, with your sales and also just understanding of um, how to make some visibility out there. I mean, there's just millions of books and for readers to find you is actually really difficult. Yeah, now Joanne has just summed up our whole podcast in five minutes, so you and I can go and have a cup of coffee now, Joanne. We've done our bit. Uh, Everything that you've said. Now, what you've got to remember, everybody, is I've had Joanne on the podcast a couple of times now, and I think the last time was just before Christmas, but Joanne has a background in corporate business. Uh, So you've got your business hat on a lot of the time, Joanne. But as you said, the first thing is balancing that, that life between being a writer and a creative and then being a business person. That's exactly right. That's so true. And I think that most people don't realise that with writers. Uh, I think it's the same whether you're a traditionally published writer, in other words, you're with a publisher, or whether you're doing everything yourself. The difference is, is that when you have the support of a publisher, there's a lot of things that you don't need to do because your publisher is doing that for you. Uh, whereas when you're indie or self-published, you have to do everything yourself. And that's where the business hat comes on. So as much as the writing is a joy and putting that creativity together and having a wonderful read, 
you need to get that book out there. It needs, you know, good editing, a good formatter. It needs a good uh, cover. It needs to be uploaded and it needs to be marketed. And for those who are doing everything themselves, it can be very overwhelming. And I know that when I first started, I had no idea of how much work is involved. And I think there's that perception out there that, oh, you know, just stick a book on Amazon and, you know, you'll make millions. That's not true. People who are doing well on Amazon or well in self-publishing, I should say, there is a lot of work that goes on behind the scenes that I don't think people really appreciate how much work goes into marketing your book. Yeah, now we're going to get into marketing, Mm. uh, I guess, a little bit uh, later but because Joanne and I were talking beforehand about the new Amazon ads and the difficulty of Facebook ads and all that kind of stuff. But what reminded me, when you were talking there, Joanne, I realised even though there's a lot changing and a lot happening, the basics haven't changed, have they? It's still all about writing a good story, employing people to come aboard and help you with the editing and the design and the cover and all those kinds of things. Those things don't change, do they? That's right. That's exactly right. You know, I have um, an amazing support team behind me, Uh, my editor. I have a company that formats all my books for me. I have an artist that does the covers. Um, I have someone that helps me write my blurbs because, you know what, I know that I'm not that good at it and when they do this work for me, it really brings my story together. You know, I can't do everything, but what I can do is write the story. They can't write the story. So what I do is I get help from people so they can basically like, you know, format. I know um, some people do their own formatting. I choose not to because the time that it takes to format, I would actually rather work on my next book or edit a book or do something or market. And that's, I mean, that's the way I do things. Um, Other people have their own ways of doing and some people like to do their own covers. I don't. I get an artist to do it. Yeah, and and I think that's wise. You can only do so much, can't you? I was mm. sitting there this morning doing some admin, and I think I was up at six o'clock. And at nine thirty, I looked up and I thought, "Oh, I've got my podcast." Yeah, but it was three hours of paperwork. Yes, there's so much to do. Like I'm actually looking at trying to get an assistant. Um, I'm thinking about getting my son to try and help me a bit because I'm just inundated with the amount of work that is needed and. Just even things like getting into the libraries, which I've started doing, there's still so much work to do and and quite frankly, the volume of work and it just takes over. So in the end, I'm thinking I'm just going to have to get some, um, either get an assistant to help me because I just can't keep up with it. There's just so much. And as you start putting out more and more books, (laughs) it's more and more work to do for each book. And the thing is, is that you can't just focus on your new books. You still have to promote your old books as well because there's still... um, readers out there who don't know you so you can't just keep blogging the the latest book you've still got all your earlier books to promote yeah and it's really it's really exciting to talk to you now Joanne because eight books you can really start doing some interesting things with eight books and once someone discovers you they can go back and buy all eight books uh how many of those are series or are they all standalones um the Alex Jackson series and I'm actually creating a box set that's coming out uh, in a couple of months so that will be again another set and then my two uh, holiday reads were also in a series yeah so, so and, and then yeah, yeah. Sorry. so 
sorry, Mel. <laughs> yeah, no, that's um, all right. I'm gonna I'm gonna start that again, Joanne, because I completely lost your sound there for a moment. Oh. Um, so I'm just writing down the sound. I don't know what happened there. Okay, so we'll start again. I'm just going to ask that same question again. Uh, and Joanne, you've you've got eight books out at the moment. What are they? A series? Are they box sets or are they all standalones? Uh, four books are in the series. Four books are standalones, but two are actually also in series with other authors. Yeah, and and those box sets, that is the way to go nowadays, isn't it? Um, uh, our readers are loving box sets. I think so. Um, I mean, I love box sets. I know that from, you know, my years of reading Mills and Boone, which I always enjoyed, when I read books that were linked, you know, they've they've been doing this for many years and doing it really well where you had um, either an on, a theme going through, say, a set of eight books or, for example, a writer had, um, say, three or four brothers. So you could see the progress of so even from book one, the couple may appear in later books. I always enjoyed that. I always loved the way that Mills and Boone did that. And so for me, because that, as a reader, I loved that. I've also done that as a writer. So with my box set with the Alex Jackson series, you have that those characters appearing in other books. However, I chose to write them as standalones because sometimes you don't always read the books in the order that they come through. You may, for whatever reason, not may read book two first or book three first. And I like to have them as standalones, not ending in cliffhangers. So it doesn't matter which um, if you don't read them in order. But that's just the way that I do things. And every author has their own way of do, have how they want to do their own box sets. Yeah, and I don't know how this whole cliffhanger thing came came up. I think it's a bit of a rip-off myself. Um, but I've got my Around Australia in Eight Romances, which are happening very slowly. I'm up to number four. Uh, but I started off with A Sister with Four Brothers, and that was started off as a single romance. And now I've got stories for the, all four brothers, which makes five. But I'm yes. still a couple short. And I'm thinking, okay, I need to pluck a couple more relatives from somewhere to, to round out the, the eight novels. Sounds good. Yeah, it'll it'll happen. Um, writing seems to take a bit of a back burner as we were talking about the business side of things. When you've got so much happening and the podcast takes up so much time, uh, you really do need to call in some help. Everyone, I'm going to try and get an interview with um, someone who knows a little bit more about virtual assistants because I've been doing a little bit of fossicking around. Uh, and it seems to be the problem appears to be, Joanne, of letting go of enough control uh, so that you freeze up your time but maintaining the standard that you want. That that can be a problem for a lot of us, can't it? I think so. I think there's also just finding the right person to work with because, look, there are good assistants out there but you also need to have someone who you like, you can work with and who can represent you as a person because, look, Writers have different needs, but there are writers who use their assistance to answer their mail, to post on Facebook and on social media. That assistant needs to sound like them, you know, if they're going to be, you know, being that writer. Now, at the moment, you know, I'm fortunate um, that I'm not so overwhelmed with my reader emails and I reply to all of them. Even sometimes, like, you know, I may get 100, I'll still reply personally to every single one of them because to me that's really important whereas some of the other tasks I would like to get someone to help me with them. So I think it really just depends on the writer, what they want to do and what they're prepared to let go. Yeah, and that becomes 
a planning issue in itself. I remember in the olden days I used to hire a housekeeper uh, when I, when the babies were little and then I'd have to tidy up before the housekeeper came and I'm pretty sure that that's going to happen with the virtual assistant thing as well. Um, but it's interesting listening to you talk, Joanne. Uh, six months ago you wouldn't have even been contemplating this. So that brings us nicely around to, to your journey and how you've grown into your business and how you've seen things change over the, over the period of time. Yeah, things are changing all the time and it's just been fantastic. Um, You know, I love what I do. Like I absolutely love what I do and um, I've really enjoyed meeting other self-published writers. Most of them are in the US and just working together and I've just been invited in the last day or so to team up with a whole group of them on a on a set and I'm just so excited to be asked to be a part of it because it just sounds fantastic and I think what I love about this community with this romance self-publishing community and also the self-publishing is that people um most people are just so happy to share their information and to work together because we all want the same thing we all want to sell books and the thing that I think is important for other writers to know is that by helping someone else doesn't mean that they're going to read their book and not read yours you know romance readers especially are voracious readers and they they want to keep reading lots of books they want to try out new authors and by helping each other out is actually also really good for the romance reading community as a whole. I read something or I heard something on a podcast yesterday that romance readers are the most voracious of all and quite often they're churning mm. through a romance novel a day. So even if we all wrote 24 hours a day, we're never going to keep up with that demand, are we? So there's there's room for everybody, I should imagine. There is, there is. And, and keeping in mind is that there's so many, I mean, obviously I talk generally about romance, but, I mean, there is also with all other genres there's just so much variety out there and you know we've got all different types of subgenres in romance and you know I've just found a, another writer in the US and her style is very similar to mine so what I like is that I know that my readers are going to like her books if they like my books they'll like her books and vice versa and I think it's really nice that you know that we're working together because we write very similar and you know I've got eight books, even if everyone, if someone reads all my eight books, well, after a few weeks or a few months, maybe they want some more books. Well, I don't have any more books, but this other writer, she's got books and they can read hers as well. It's, you know, by sharing that is not taking away from someone else. Yeah, and that's, uh, I'm a member and I'm guessing you are too, Joanne. It's of the Nick Stevenson's Your First 10,000 Readers and he started a group where everybody collaborates and shares. Is yes. that is that where you found your co-writers? Yeah, I did actually. A lot of them came from there and, um, and, and from there I've met other writers. But that's where I've found um, my tribe and I also found some other romance writers. I also hang out with a, a lovely bunch of writers who are not romance. We've all got different genres and that's also nice because we've all done the course and we're all helping each other and it doesn't matter that one writes murder mysteries and one writes horror and one writes whatever they all write and some of them are actually non-fiction writers but we're all working together and helping each other out and I really like that. 
Yeah, and I'm gonna gonna do that, everybody, and I'm always gonna gonna, but I never get around to it. So, um, you, you watch Joanne, watch how she does it, and and I'll keep talking to her because um, it's hard, as you said, to keep up with everything that's happening. And I think those opportunities to collaborate, share, co-market, and all that kind of stuff, that would be one of the biggest changes, wouldn't it? Yeah, I think so. Look, I mean, I've only been doing this for a short time. So you've got other writers who have been out there longer who have been able to see the changes in the market. I mean, keeping in mind that I've only been doing this for 18 months and I had no intention of self-publishing before I self-published. So I actually don't know what the market was like, say, from 2012 um, till now, which would be really interesting to hear from writers who have started that early because they got in the market and the market was very different. And you've also got those writers who've been around even longer, who were even around from say 2008, 2009, who were one of the pioneers in self-publishing because they would really see a big change. For me, I've seen changes in 18 months, but I think that those who have been around longer would have seen even more dynamic changes. Yeah, and even with the podcast, Joanne, um, probably six or eight months ago when I started this, uh, even mentioning the word indie publishing, I know the teachers at school used to just laugh at me, um, but it's certainly got a lot more credibility even in Australia and even in this short amount of time. Uh, yes and no. I see that um, sometimes there are those who do value it. I still think there is still a bit of a mindset that those who are self-published are seen not to be as good because they have not been picked up by a traditional publisher. So I think there is still that mindset out there by some writers. I don't think it, I wouldn't say it's everyone, but there is some people who still see that, um, that it's that the self-published writers have taken the easy option or that they weren't good enough to be picked up by traditional publishers. However, you know, there's a lot of reasons why people go down the self-publishing route and, I think that there is um, enough in the market, enough readers to have both uh, writers who are traditionally published and self-published. Yeah, and and looking at in particular the digital digital publishing and a lot of people are reading on their e-readers now, every time I see a traditionally published book and I see the price of the e-book, I nearly faint because they, they're wanting so much money for an e-book and I'm surprised they make any sales at all. I know, that really upsets me actually when I see those um, books and it's the same price as a print as it is for an e-book. It's just, just takes my breath away. I'm like, you know, it'd be nice to see them a little bit cheaper. Um, I don't know why. I'm Look, I'm not a publisher, as in not a traditional publisher, so I don't know if, what's their strategy in doing that. But I like uh, with the self-publishing that there is a price difference. So, for example, with my books, they retail for either $0.99 cents or $2.99 US for an e-book and $12 US for a paperback. And I just think that, you know, with the paperback, there are printing and printing charges involved and that's why the price is a bit higher as opposed to e-books. Yeah, Which, you know, um, the, the the creation of the book itself is the same amount of cost, but the printing involved does make the uh, print book more expensive, the paper book. Yeah, and I'm assuming a lot of these people who read a book a day, they've got yeah. to be buying them on their on their Kindles or however they buy them digitally, because I couldn't imagine loading your house up with that many that many novels. And I notice that a lot of the top indie authors 
uh, they are putting out box sets and most of it is digital. I was listening to a lady yesterday and she's published 96 books in the last few years and I'm thinking, how can you churn them out at that rate? Wow. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty impressive, yeah. isn't it? And it's I just went, like, that's fantastic. Awesome. Yeah, and there's also people who are listening um, to audiobooks because I've been looking at that and I actually asked my readers if they are audio listeners to books and surprisingly a number of them are and they listen to books for different reasons for example you know when they go when they're exercising listening to a book or going for long rides or you know when they're doing long say travel or going to work for example uh, people like to listen to books so I think that that's also a different option um, for readers because you can also get through a lot of books where so for example if you're doing a lot of driving every day you can still get through a lot of books even though you're driving because you can listen to them you had that option which is you know fantastic yeah and I we we were as you know Joanne we were starting our uh, open road audio narration services mm. and my um, my narrator turned out to be not as not as proficient as, as he first led on, so I've had to let him go. I've had to sack my first um, employee before we even got anything off the off the oh, ground. Shame. <laughs> oh, disappointing. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm training myself up, and I'm on the lookout for someone else. So I haven't given up on the idea. I've just got it on the back burner. But I'm going to start by narrating my middle grade. I've got three middle grade fiction books, and I'm mm. going to put them out in a box set. And I'm in the process of revamping my website and taking back control of that myself as well. Um, because I was with Ingram Spark, and by the time the the dollar exchange rate and all that kind of stuff came into it, I was actually in the negative. So I'm now through draft to digital and trying to to bring everything back under my control. Uh, and I'll have the ebook, the print book, and the audio book out there, and the box sets. And it makes for quite a lot of products. Yes, it does. Exactly right. Just excuse me for a sec. <coughs> Sorry. That's right. We're both dying, everybody. Um, I, I say I've cut them out, but if you hear us spluttering, you know I didn't. Uh, uh, and talking for half an hour, by the end of the half hour, you're really, you know, holding your breath. Uh, but it is exciting, everybody, and keeping those rights. I was speaking to a traditionally published writer who's had quite a success with her novel, and she didn't know what her rights were. And the first thing you have to do, everybody, is I suggest join the Association of Australian Authors, get someone to check your contract and see what you're um, selling away because those um, rights are going to be worth a lot of money down the track, I should imagine. Yes. Well, I guess that I don't know very much about the, with the traditionally published because they're with the contracts between the publisher and the writer. Um, I guess the best bit about being self-publishing is that you can do whatever you like. Everything belongs to you. Yeah, and remember, there's always India and China coming along, coming along, and they they they're voracious readers as well, and they've got the cheap devices. Uh, Joanna Penn is a firm proponent of of the growing markets or the growing international markets mm. and the growing uh, opportunities for indie authors. And I'm hoping that I'll get to speak to her at some stage about those things. Uh, but just to finish off, because um, we're on a time frame here today, I wanted to ask you about the financial viability of being an indie author. And I don't want to know your dollars or anything um and I've got my own experiences to go by but I'm going to stick my neck out and say it's definitely possible and more likely probable the more books you have to actually make a living out of this yes that's right you can as long as you have uh enough books 
firstly, it does come down to you've got to have a good quality book. There's no use having 20 books out there where you've got bad writing, poor editing, poor grammar and everything because you're just still not going to sell any books that way. You've got to have a good story. You've got to have quality writing, quality books out there. Once you do and you're clever in your marketing and you work hard at your marketing, yep, you can start making money. Um, I've seen that. I worked on two box sets last year. One set, the um, and keeping in mind both of them were for 99 cents. I was actually in four box sets last year. One, one set, the um, all the writers did a lot of work in promotion, and I actually made quite a lot of money out of that that set. And and keeping in mind it's 99 cents, and all profits have to be split between 10 authors. I still did really well out of it financially as opposed to another set where, again, 99 cents, but the authors didn't do the same amount of promotion, the same amount of work, and it really showed. And, we, you know, I, I just barely covered my costs. So I think that if everyone works hard and, you know, you're all working collaboratively, yes, you can still make money through these box sets and also just as yourself because once people start to read one of your books then they're interested in reading your other books and making sure that they're available and you know it just still comes down to a good book will sell your next good book. Yeah and I think that was the very first piece of advice I was given which um, I've totally ignored while I got into all this other stuff is the best thing you can do to promote your book is to write your next book. Yes I I can't remember there's a really good um, quote about the first page sells, you know, to the publisher and the last page sells your next book or something to that effect or something like that. It's it's a very clever quote. But really, I mean, when you finish a book, you're hunting down that author and trying to see what other books they have written, then that's a good thing. Well, that's, I wonder, I quite often, because I've got a lot to do with the romance authors now, I quite often happens, what happens when their books disappear out of Big W, how they make any sales after that? And I did ask one of my authors, Fiona Palmer, and she's got boxes of books in a house. And I thought, well, oh, excuse me, that works up to a certain point. Uh, Joanne and I are both dying here, so I'm going to finish off with one last question. We were talking before the show about the newly arrived Amazon ads versus Facebook ads. Now, I've just started my affiliation with a little Facebook um, ads masterclass here, here in Brisbane, which is very simple and takes about 10 minutes a day over six weeks to learn the basics of Facebook advertising. And I, I was a member of, or I am a member of, um, uh, what's his name, Mark Dawson's course, but it got too complicated for me. Joanne, tell us about the Amazon ads. Well, Amazon ads have been around for about two to three years, but they were actually only available for those books that were available in the Kindle Unlimited program. So um, Amazon have just made some changes, and I'm not really too sure how long it was, maybe in the last few months, that now you can advertise any book on Amazon, whether it's in the Kindle Unlimited or, or not. That means whether it's exclusive to Amazon or if it's available wide. So I've got both my books available in all e-retailers and some of them are only on Amazon. But now um, Amazon have said, yep, you can just advertise with us. And, you know, it's a little bit complicated because it's a new way of advertising and getting your books out there to other readers And we're all still, because it's still quite new, we're all sort of still scrambling to understand how to use it. 
and and how to get the books out there and making sure that your book appears, uh, you know, as a sponsored ad in the right place and doesn't turn up where it shouldn't be. And that's what I was learning. And so this morning I was up at um, 5 a.m. and uh, doing a webinar on that, which was I found really interesting. So I've got my first ad going and I'll see in a few days' time because it takes a few days for it to run to see how it goes. So I'm pretty excited about that. Yeah, now I've been listening to this for a while, Joanne, because Joanne, uh, Joanna Penn's been promoting it and it was her and Mark Dawson who ran mm. that thing this morning, I believe. And I've been listening to self-publishing podcast and Mark's been talking about a few of the things. He had a podcast uh, about this very subject uh, a week or two ago if anyone wants to go back and listen. Yeah, I heard and, that one. That was also very interesting. But today he spent more time on actually the do's and don'ts of how to do yeah. it. Yeah, and I sit there with a pen and paper, everybody, and I take my notes and I just get more and more confused and then I go, oh, it's all too hard and I don't do anything. But what interested me about this is he's talking 500 and 1,000 keywords. Yes, yes. Getting the right keywords as well. It's getting um, the right keywords and also understanding how to target. And I just found it fascinating and he explained it really well and he went through it quite um, step-by-step methodically and it was really interesting. It was also good to hear what some of the other people had to say who were on the course because they were like, I was like, oh, that was a really good question. So I'm glad that I was up early and got to listen to that. It was well worth, you know, getting up at 4.30 to listen in so I could dial in and listen to it. And I think that this is a new way of advertising. So there are still ways, there's other um, means of advertising. You know, Facebook is still a good way once you are able to master (laughs) Facebook. Um, There's Twitter. I don't use Twitter, but I know a lot of other people use Twitter for their advertising. It's just another way. And what I like about Amazon is that your Amazon is where you go to buy your books. So you're advertising in the place where someone wants to buy their book and that's what I really like about it. So that's why I was quite keen to try and start the advertising in Amazon. Yeah, and next time we speak to Joanne, everybody will know how successful she is because you'll have all those box sets, all those series to promote. Look, thank you. It's always a pleasure to have you on. Oh, I'll certainly remind me about your your book coming out on the 27th of April. I've got a little oh. segment coming up, um, five books in five minutes, and, and we might give it a little bit of a feature and a plug. The cover's certainly beautiful, everybody. I'll, I'll reference that in the show notes. Uh, thank you, my love. Um, you can go and have a nice big drink of water now. Everyone, we'd like to keep in touch on a regular basis from here on in about what's happening in the indie publishing world and um, it's important that we do stay abreast of things things do change all the time and from here on in it's it's a livelihood for most of us and without that constant staying in touch and staying on top of things speaking to fellow authors joining in the forums it's very very difficult to go it alone so thank you joanne thank you and thanks for having me it was really it was really interesting thanks mel yeah and we'll do it again. Okay, bye for now from Rider on the Road. 